Welcome to the Inspired Way Podcast. This show is designed to inspire and empower you to face the daily storms of life with passion, strength, and courage. We believe that we can be transformed by the testing of these storms, growing stronger, not wavering in our faith, and a knowing that our endurance will be strengthened. And when it is all said and done, we'll be perfect and complete, body, soul, and spirit. For we seek to control the controllables and nothing more. Our goal with this show and company is to keep a posture of learning by renewing our minds daily and taking action on what we have learned so that when the storms of life come our way, we are ready to face the storm. Hey, my friends, welcome back to the Inspired Way podcast. I am your host, Tim Douglas. And today I've got Will Brenham back. Uh, It's been almost two years, not quite two years, but pretty close to two years. And Will is back. That name might might sound familiar. Uh, Will is our sponsor, Naked Warrior Recovery. And uh, before I get into the introduction, we'll just talk about that real quick. So William started Naked Warrior Recovery after he retired from the Navy of 26 years of service, 23 years in the SEAL teams. And uh, he was just uh, finding that he, he needed something to take the edge off. And instead of going to uh, the booze and, and other things, it's just he, he, he tried CBD. It really took the edge off. And he says, everybody needs this. And he developed a product called Naked Warrior Recovery, kind of homage to his heritage and just the recovery of life and the things that we go through in life. Uh, we, we, we put our bodies through a lot. We put our minds through a lot, or our emotions through a lot. And so CBD definitely will help you recover in all aspects of life. And so Guys, you got to check this stuff out. It's he's he's sourced some of the cleanest products. It's organic. Uh, it's you know you can try this stuff risk free for thirty days. If you don't like it, get your money back. Get your product back. Look, try it risk free. Not only you're supporting William and what he's doing and his, the mission that he's on, which is to help uh, to slow and reduce the the 22 veterans that commit suicide a day and so he's on a mission to go 22 to zero and so part of uh the cbd company is to help people really just get out of the red zone and get them back into the yellow back into the green and so guys you're supporting not only him you're supporting this podcast as well so use the code buffalo 20 to get 20 percent off every single purchase that you make every single product so all right, guys. Um, I can't wait to 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 say here's William Brennan because, man, this is an awesome conversation we have. You know, like most times, I don't know the direction that we're going to go. I kind of have in in a kind of a an idea in my mind on what we're what I want to talk about, but I just usually allow uh, us to just organically allow the conversation to take place and to go where it's going to go. Man, we talk about so many different things. We talk about the importance of being, having this mindset, uh, you know, do you have an amateur mindset or a professional mindset? We talk about um, just the, 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 the importance of leadership and how we as leaders can lead our people, uh, regardless of whether you, you're leading a home, you're running a home, you're running a business, or you're a leader in an organization, or maybe you're still in the military and you have leaders above you or you have people below you, you're a leader. So we all are leading at some aspect in life. And then we discuss really where he's at today in his five seal secrets. He talks about, uh, he gives the seal secrets to us, not in depth, but he gives us a kind of a snippet of it. So if you'd like more of that, you can go to 
five, the number five, sealsecrets.com to download his ebook, Five Seal Secrets. Um, it's amazing. I, I read it often. So print it out, put it on your wall. And uh, then we also talk about the importance of building a team. Uh, man, this guy has been through uh, many teams. He's been a part of a bunch of different teams, you know, within the SEAL teams. And uh, from being, you know, the young guy in to the senior leader uh, on a team. And so it's, it's really neat to hear his perspective of the importance of not only inside the teams, but also in that transition to entrepreneurial world where many of us are. Many of us are either we have jobs, we have this vision, you know, or this side hustle that we want to do, or maybe we've stepped fully into the entrepreneurial space. So Will gives us a great perspective on the importance of building our SIL team. So, all right, without further ado, my friend, William Brenham. Well, it's good to have you back. Uh, right before we hit record, we were just talking about how it's been nearly two years since we recorded last. Uh, it seems, doesn't seem that long ago. That's crazy. I can't, I can't believe that. I, I don't feel like it was two years. I think it was, <laughs> I know. It I was 2020. Like you were just, uh, right after you had launched, uh, we got introduced right mm-hmm. after you had launched mm-hmm. uh, Naked Warrior Recovery. And so, uh, and then we recorded. So it, yeah, it's been kind of hard to believe myself, but it's, it's been almost two years. So yeah. But. So I guess you were, you were one of the first podcasts that I ever did. Oh wow! And then, and then it, you weren't, you weren't number one. I don't remember who was number one, but you were, yeah. you were close. I was, I think I was doing, I know I did one for a guy that I went to buds with. He has a podcast. Um, he's really focusing on, uh, what is he focusing on? Like kind of protecting yourself. He was a seal for a while, then he was a cop. Mm. And then now he's yep. doing some other stuff. And, uh, he certainly has the gift of gab for sure. Awesome. Uh, so I think he might've been number one. You were, you were in the top, like the first 10 I did yeah. probably the first five I did. Wow. And, uh, and then, you know, fast forward at some point, I think the following year, um, around February or March of 2021, I decided that I was going to make podcasting the way that I, uh, got the word out about naked warrior because I can't run ads because of the, the, um, the social media rules out there. Yeah. And, and so, and Google has a similar rules because CBD is an illicit substance according to them. And uh, they clearly don't know anything about it, but yeah, uh, I was just like, (laughs) okay, all right. So let me just start doing podcasts and see how this whole thing pans out. And Mm -hmm. uh, in the last 12 months, I've done over 150 podcast interviews. That's why I was like, no, it can't be. Oh yeah. You actually were. Yeah. Right at the beginning. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy to believe uh, that you've done 150 in the last year. It's a big challenge. Uh, for myself, I, I want to get on more as well. So that'll be. A I was huge looking challenge. to do like fifty, and then I don't really know how hundred extra. That's crazy. Well, before we get too extra, happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's actually a question I have. Uh, I'd written down, just kind of thinking through this conversation we want to have today. Uh, I wrote a question down. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, because you kind of alluded to it, but before, uh, because I've, I've obviously hopefully have gained some more listeners. <laughs> I know I have, I'm teasing, uh, since you were on last. And so let's just, uh, back all the way up just a little bit. They can go back and listen to, um, that episode, which I, gosh, I think for me, that was episode 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere's right in there as well. So we both were green. Uh, <laughs> at the time, which is cool. So, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll post that for the listeners. They can go back and check all that out as well. So we won't have to rehearse all of that, but, 
just to kind of go back a little bit uh, for the new guys, uh, a little bit about yourself and how we got to where we are today or where you are today a little bit. Uh, let's see. So I, my name is William Branham. I spent 26 years in the Navy, 23 of those 26 years. I was in the SEAL teams. I grew up in a little town outside of Meridian, Mississippi. There's not a lot going on in Meridian. <laughs> Probably never going to go back there and settle down. That's okay, though. Um, let's see. I was heavily involved in the Boy Scouts, which really pushed me towards becoming a SEAL. Uh, I, I was thinking about this the other day. And like, so, like I've, I'm asked a lot, you know, why, why did you become a SEAL, you know, or whatever? And I mean, number one, I liked, I liked the water once upon a time. Uh, you know, I watched National Geographic scuba diving, coral reefs and things like that. It is not like that in the SEAL teams at all. Um, <laughs> mostly you dive at night and in murky water. Um, let's see. But, you know, I remember watching like uh, Civil War movies where mm. these, you know, the armies line up on a gigantic field like Gettysburg or Vicksburg or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they just like start shooting at one another. And I'm like, that's dumb. Well, I would never <laughs> do that. That's a, that's crazy talk. <laughs> I want to be the guy like kind of guerrilla warfare, like running through the tree line, you know, ambushing the enemy from the from the flank and then moving to a new location and just keep doing that. That's how I want to fight a war. Yeah. And so I never wanted to be part of like big army, big, big movements. I knew that from like a like a young kid. And then I, you know, I watched, uh, uh, you know, John Wayne was in a movie called The Green Berets. So maybe I wanted mm -hmm. to be a Green Beret. John Rambo was an army ranger. Chuck Norris was on a team called Delta Force where they were yeah. riding dirt bikes, shooting rockets off of the dirt bikes. And I thought that was really cool. I still think it's cool. I still want to try to do that one day. Um, <laughs> See if you don't and, get blown <laughs> off the back end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't really know how that works because I know how rockets work and there's like big flames and the propulsion to make it go for it. Not not ideal. Um, let's see. Uh, and so I was, I was, I went to a, uh, you know, a boy scout jamboree. I was very poor. And so the boy scouts actually paid for me to go. And the, um, there was a kid in the, in the sister troop that we were with, uh, he talked about, you know, he wants to be a Navy SEAL when he grows up and he will also wants to be an F-14 Tomcat pilot. And I was like, that sounds cool. What's a Navy SEAL? And he told me they're most elite military unit in the world, blah, blah, whatever. They jump out of planes, they shoot guns, they blow stuff up, they scuba dive. I'm like, sign me up. Where do I go? Sold. Right, yeah. after, right after that, the, uh, the, like I came back from that national jamboree and this was the summer between my 11th grade and 12th grade of high school. Uh, the Navy recruiter calls me and he said, Hey, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? If he would have called me six months earlier, I would have been no way, buddy. He yeah. got the wrong guy. My, my, uh, you know, all the men in my family, most of them were in the Navy. Uh, I did not have Navy pride. Mm -hmm. And there was also a Naval air station in the, the little town that I grew up in. And, you know, all the kids that come out of boot camp and they start going to their technical school to learn their job, mm -hmm. uh, that's their first taste of freedom while they're in the Navy and they act like a bunch of idiots. And I was like, I never want to be one of those guys. Well, guess what? I became one of those guys <laughs> walking around in their uniform, being loud and obnoxious. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Sorry. I apologize to anyone out there that I may have offended. Yeah, I'll pause you real quick. So um, uh, my wife and I were just going through some pictures yesterday and her father was in the Navy. And so they would pull into ports and he would tell us stories about the same thing. They run off in their suits and, you know, uh, be crazy in town. And most of these were over in like Italy and other other town. So, uh, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> he would yeah. tell us the stories. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, yeah. And I, as a kid, I mean, you can't hide you're in your uniform, you're in a big group, you, and you're loud and you're noisy and no one likes you. Yeah. So okay. how did you transition from, 
the fleet to uh, the teams. Uh, it sounds like you you spent a little bit of time in the Navy itself. Yeah. So I, I joined the Navy to be a SEAL. And before you can go to SEAL training, you have to pass a, a SEAL screening test. You have to do a bunch of medical stuff and physical stuff. And medically, I was good. Physically, um, I didn't come in quite as prepared as I should have. And so, excuse me, I took the SEAL screening test in boot camp and I failed it. And when I say I failed it, really, I would like to say that I, I quit on it. I mean, maybe I would have passed it if I would have worked a little bit harder. But, um, you know, I was shooting for the minimum score. Yeah. I wasn't shooting Ooh. for, you know, to try and crush the score. Yeah, yeah. And so that was, I had the wrong mindset. Yeah, totally. Um, just for, for beginners. And when I look at the numbers now of what those scores are, what those numbers are, I'm like, really? I couldn't do that. Mm. So I'm like, I'm like. Right. So it's not that hard. It's not easy. Like you can't just like wake up in the morning and do it. Sure. You can if you're in like, you know, marginally physically good shape. But apparently I was not. Uh, I didn't have quite the, the upper body strength that I was that I needed. And I didn't prepare myself. I knew what the score, the standard was before and I didn't prepare myself. I think I had the mentality of like, how hard can it be? Well, Tim, I'm going to tell you, it's pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, uh, so I, so I went to, you know, I finished out boot camp, and then I went to my technical school for the Navy. I became, it was a gunner's mate, which you would, you would think has to do with guns. It has nothing yeah. to do with guns. Really? It's all wow. electronics, pneumatics, and hydraulics. Uh, and so the last week of six months of, of gunner's mate school, they have like one week of small arms, mm. but it's, it's really, you don't really do anything with, with guns really at all. It's the big wow. guns on, on those big gray floaty things out in the water. Yeah. And so, uh, so towards the end of gunner's mate aid school, I thought I can either go take the seal screening test. I was in much better shape at this point and go to buds, or I can go to this other school for four more months. Then I'll take the seal screening test and go to buds. Well, mm. what I didn't know is I took that, that other school for four months in Virginia beach where it was sunny and warm, not like cold and snowy and icy, like uh, North of Chicago in the winter time. Yeah. Uh, what I didn't know is I had 24 months of obligated service to a ship in Yokosuka, Japan. Mm. And so I, I learned that when I went to go, when I talked to the instructors, I'm like, Hey, I want to take the seal screening test. And they're like, why you have to go to the ship because that's just how it works in the Navy. And I said, okay, I don't want to do, I don't want to go to the ship. They're like, sorry, bro, you're going. What yeah. if I fail out of this school? You're still going to that ship. I was like, okay, I'm not a quitter. All right, let's, let's go. Yeah. So I went, I did my time in the fleet. I did my time on that ship in Yokosuka, Japan. I got to see some cool stuff. I got to go to yeah. some cool places. Um, but that's not why I joined the Navy. And so when it came time for me to, you know, call my detailer, the, the guy that sends you to your next location, and tell him, hey, I'm going to you know, put a package in to go to, to Bud's. He said, uh, that's great, but sorry, I'm not going to let you go because that school that you went to for four months in Virginia Beach, uh, that makes you more critical to the Navy than being a SEAL. So oh, wow. uh, we're not going to let you go. So you're too critical to the Navy. Therefore, you're not going to become a Navy SEAL. And so I was like, that's that's not OK with me. That's not why I joined the Navy, not to yeah. ride on a ship. It's to, to become a SEAL. And so um, I continued to do my uh you know, the paperwork and the medical stuff and the physical stuff, eventually passing the SEAL screening test. I, I sent my package to, to Washington, uh, where the, all the detailers were at the time. And they're like, okay. Um, and I called the SEAL detailer. I'm like, hey, have you got my package? They're like, yeah, we got it. But we have to wait for your detailer to let you go. So I called my detailer again. I'm like, hey, can I go? He says, no. I said, well, if you don't let me go, wow. I'm going to get out. He's like, well, then, sorry, then get out. And he called my bluff. And so I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm continuing to get letters of recommendation and all sorts of other stuff and just asking other people. 
And then one day I get word that the chief of naval operations is coming to my ship in Yokosuka, Japan. And to kind of put that into perspective, who the, the chief of naval yeah. operations is, he's the most senior guy in the Navy. The only people more senior to him in the military or in the United States is the secretary of defense and the president of the United States. So I wow. pretty much got the top dog coming to my ship yeah, yeah. in Yokosuka, Japan. So he comes to the ship. He has, you know, CNO's call. He's like, okay, this is my plan for the Navy, this and that, and some other stuff. And then he says, does anyone have any questions? And I raise my hand and he calls on me. I'm the second person he called. And I said, I joined the Navy to become a SEAL. I think I deserve a chance to go. My detailer won't let me go, but I think I deserve a chance to go. He says, I'm too critical. What do you think? And he's like, he turns to my commanding officer and he says, well, is he a good guy? My CO says, yeah. Fortunately, I talked to my CO. I'm like, hey, I, I'm going to ask the CNO. And he's like, do it. Awesome. Um, so he turns back, to, he turns to the CO, the CO, the CO says, yeah, he was sailor of the quarter this quarter, which is like employee of the month. Cause I did a good job sweeping or something. I don't really know why I got that. I do know why I got it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did my job. I did it a little above and beyond. Um, and he turns back to me and he's like, check, you'll be in the first class after your PRD, which is planned rotational date. Six weeks later, I'm off to California to, uh, to go to SEAL training. Wow. And so it took me 13 months to make it through that six month block of training. I eventually got through it after many injuries and, uh, many lessons learned and eventually off to the SEAL teams. And then eventually I retired. So, and here we yeah. are. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> pretty interesting that, that that's quite the, quite the journey through getting away from the fleet. And I, there, there's so much there. I, I do want to break a couple of things down. The first thing that you said uh, is something that's been resonating with me uh, lately. I've heard this probably sometime last year, and I just have had a couple of conversations with some people here recently about it. And it's the being an amateur versus a professional. And I thought about it when you were talking about when you went to uh, do that, the, the, the training at the very beginning, you know, it's like, Hey, I could, I could have done it if I would have not just trying to be mediocre. If I wouldn't have tried to just, uh, meet the minimums, if I would have tried to crush it and a professional would have said, we're going to crush it. An yep. amateur says, what do I need to do to get by? Yep. And so I, I think there's a lot there that whatever it is that, you know, we're doing in life, whether it's learning SEO, learning, uh, social media stuff or trying to become a Navy SEAL or whatever it may be. It's like, do it as a professional would do it, not as an amateur. Right. And um, so the question that I have, the follow-up question I have to that is because what happened is, is that took you on a different path because of the, you know, quote unquote, amateur mindset at the moment, it, it took you down a path that you weren't really interested. You wanted the SEALs, but now you're off to the fleet. So what, what changed, um, that perspective or where in there did you go? Okay, crap. Um, I need to show up better this next go around. Like what did that play a part or did that even come up? Like how you half did it the last time. And now I'm just going to go full force or towards it. I think, I think, uh, something that did play a part in it was there were guys that came to my ship that quit SEAL training. They passed all the physical stuff and all the other stuff. And then they, and then they quit and they came to gotcha. my ship in, in Japan. And they were like, bro, you need to be running in, in boots in soft sand. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to like, like whatever that minimum score, no one cares about that. You need to do like, right. For your, 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 your pushups, you need to be like, do like 110, 120, if you can, not 52, which is the yeah. minimum number. You need to do like 120 sit-ups. You need to knock out like 15 to 20 pull-ups, you know, dead hang straight up and straight down. You need to like, you, you need to be able to crush all of that stuff. 
And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's not the minimum. They're like, no, you yeah. got to like everyone, no, anyone can do the minimum. It's like, well, I failed it the first time. Apparently <laughs> uh, not. And Barely. so, and so the second time I took the, the screening test, I failed it again. I failed it. Mm. And, but I crushed everything I beat. So I was taking it with eight other guys. They were, yeah. I was the only person that was taking it for the, the seal screening test. Uh, it's the same test, whether you're, you're screening for a seal diver EOD, or there's a special warfare combat crewman. That's the uh, boat drivers that we, that we use in Naval special warfare, exact same tests. It's a uh, swim, uh, pushups, pull-ups, sit-ups and a run. And, uh, this, but the numbers to be a seal are higher than, and mm. faster and everything else than, than the other, than the other guys. I beat everyone on every event to include the run. And the run, they run in shorts and tennis shoes. As a SEAL candidate, I run in boots and long pants. I beat everyone on every event, swimming, wow. push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, and the run. And I failed the run by 14 seconds. Everyone else passed. And it was because my ego got in the way, that mm. amateur mindset. I'm like, I'm beating everyone. I don't have to like really yeah. get it out, you know, put it out and, and like right here at the end and like hurt myself getting across the finish line. Yeah. And he, he called out my my time when I when I finished. And I was like, that can't be right. That's not a passing. That's not a pass. So after like the next time I took it, there we're not leaving anything out there. Like th this is enough of this <laughs> right yeah 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 totally <laughs> that's cool the but other it took me a while other, to get get to get to oh, that, sure that, i mean that i think point. sometimes wasn't, it wasn't, does take yeah. us time to learn those lessons uh sometimes longer than they they should yeah. or then you know but you know the other thing that i thought of that was interesting that you said and i i've heard it on the you know corporate side of things and lessons that we can learn from leaders and uh, or how leadership does certain things. And because I have bumped up against this exact same phrase, and that is you are too critical for the, you know, whatever. Right. So you pl plug it in for whatever position you're in. For you, it was you're too critical. The Navy needs you in this position. You're too right. critical, you know, da, 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 da. So for me, I was going for, uh, you know, we were in this. Uh, I was working for this company. I was right under the president. And uh, there were some challenges that we were facing and I offered, hey, make me the sales manager. I'll take all this off your plate. This is what I'll do. I had an exact plan on exactly what we're going to do or what I was going to do. So there was no, you know, but what if this or what if that? I mean, I had this thing thought through like, hey, this would be a great move. One, to get it off of his plate, because as the president, he shouldn't be managing all of the sales staff. His response to me was, you're too valuable to remove you off the sales force. You're our number one sales guy. And I'm like, that's exactly why you need to put me in this position because I can train everyone else. I can teach everyone else and help everyone else. And yeah, but we can't afford to lose your, yes, you can afford because here's what's going to happen. I'm going to hire two guys and I'm going to train them exactly to do exactly what I do. And they're both going to do double what I've been doing. So I have and two so, things to say about that. Yeah. So generally corporate America or corporate organizations, they have like a, a rock star sales guy and they, they're like, oh, he's really good at this. Like we like high, top performer. Let's move yeah. him up into a management position. Right. Yes. I've seen that too. <laughs> and they're not good managers. They don't know how to manage their way out of a paper bag. They can yes. sell their pants off, yes. but they can't manage. Yeah. And then you show up. And so they end up failing. They end up failing as a manager and things like that. But you show up and you're like top sales guy and you're like, let me be the manager because I can take all this knowledge that I have and I yeah. can impart it to other people. So it's two different scenarios, you know, 100%. two different um, 
ideas for the same scenario. Generally, you should leave the sales guy doing sales stuff. And it does not matter if the sales guy makes more than the CEO. Right. The CEO needs to take his ego out of it. And like, that's cool. Like, awesome. Because you're paying my salary and his salary and keeping the lights on and 100%. keep going. And we're going to, we're going to reward you for your awesome work. Uh, but unfortunately, lots of CEOs, they like see that number and they're like, that's, it's not okay for like the sales guy. Yeah. Like, eight layers below me to make more than me. Uh, it's totally okay. Um, Cause they're like making the company better and 100%. allowing you to do all the things that you need to do as, as a leader. But you came in and you're like, Hey, I know how to sell, but I also know how to train. And I'm going to, I'm going to multiply what we have currently. And mm-hmm. they were too small minded to, to think, to, to think outside the box, I guess. Yeah. hundred percent. And I see that scarcity mindset is t- totally. And I, I've seen that both directions, like exactly what you were just said, where he was actually the sales guy who got promoted to president. Uh, he was a VP and then got promoted to president, which had no skills of leading whatsoever. Um, you know, and so here I've done this, you know, I've studied leadership for a long time and culture and, and other things, organizational health and culture and, and trying to instill this or trying to help him. And he would listen, but yet at the same time, the ego, I could see it would step in and, oh, no, 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 I got this and blah, 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 blah. And it was a disaster. So I, th- I think just for the listeners, you know, the takeaway there is like, if we're in a leadership position. Um, get the ego out of the way. You're big on that. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but, you know, getting the ego out of the way. um, And I would say like, identify to me, if you have those issues, identify the um, um, insecurities that you have. What are those? And deal with those. You know, this show is about facing the storm. And and if you're not dealing with the insecurities that you have within you, you're not, you're avoiding the storm. You're being that cow. You're being that coward to 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 not face those things and and identify them. And so for me, it's like I've got to identify those people who have value who come into my life and go, hey, they're they're critical here, but what else could they do? Or, you know, what what more, you know, seeing the value in them or whatever, or if they bring you more value, use it. So not just yeah. dismiss it because they're in this one area. So in the in the military, there's a there's a cultural thinking is that the job of the leader is to train your replacement. Mm. Train the guy that's going to take your position. Work yourself, yeah. train yourself out of a job. Work yourself, yeah. So you can so that you can I mean the job of the military is to advance people, you know, it's not a dictatorship. It's a it's it's a always upward growth yeah. uh, organization. There's always upward mobility in the organization if you want it. And if you uh, and if you perform, there's always the ability to move up. So your job as a leader, number one, learn your job. Like the best the, the <laughs> best leadership jobs that I ever did were when I was thrown into a position that I had no idea what to do. Mm. So I put more effort into figuring it out. And as I did that, I trained my the guy directly under me how to do my position. I figured it out, and I'm like, okay, you take this over, so I can focus on this. You take this over, so I can focus on this. Yeah. So I trained my replacement, and it was awesome because you know I. Had had the same guy kind of follow me, you know, throughout mm-hmm. multiple leadership tours um, in the SEAL teams. And it was fantastic. Like we knew what one another thought and I could just say, hey, go take care of this because I'm taking care of this. And he and he had it 100% of the time. Yeah. Or if yeah, he I, had to go do something, I could get down to his level and then take care of 100%. guys that really like when I, the, me being more senior came down to their level, like, whoa, what's going on? I'm like, what's going whoa. on? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah. yeah, that was kind of funny. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you see that as well. And I, I agree with that cultural, you know, leadership ideology 
you know, I studied under Dr. Sam Chand uh, at his leadership institute, and he says the same thing. The leader's job is to to create and build other leaders, not followers. You know, so 100%. your job is to completely find leaders, build the leaders up, even if they're replacing you. Do it because you want to kind of keep because you can't progress forward if you're not you know finding another leader. And this was another thing that I've learned through my time in leadership. And that was if you, and I've heard different numbers, one's 80% and then I've heard 70%. So somewhere between 70 and 80%. So if you, you have someone that you're training, that you're bringing up, if they can do your job or your position at 70 or that task, whatever it is that you need to pass off, if they could do it as like say 80% of capacity of what you could pass it off, allow them to use their 20% of creativity or whatever to grow, expand and make that better than you spending your wills and your time and budget and energy on making it a hundred percent. Cause as you know, nothing's ever going to be quite a hundred percent. Yeah. And so it's like, pass it off, let someone else do it. And then it allows them to grow um, and, and experience and, and whatnot. So, yeah, that, that's a hundred percent. And it, it kind of goes to my, uh, so I've got like five seal secrets of leadership. I got lots of five seal secrets, but five seal secrets of leadership and secret number two. So secret number one is shoot, move and communicate is the multitask like the Navy seal. And we won't go into that, but, um, leadership secret number two is leaders get no bullets. Mm. And, you know, so imagine you're in a gunfight, there's lots of things that you have to do in order to you know, get out of that gunfight. You have to shoot, move and communicate that whole multitask thing. But if a leader is looking down the sights of his weapon and he's engaging the enemy, then he's not actually looking at his team to see what the team is doing. He's not looking at the enemy or the competition, however you want to label them, and to see what they're doing. He's not looking at the terrain, the market share. Mm-hmm. He's not looking mm-hmm. at how to maneuver the team. He's not making those calls in order to maneuver the team. So shoot, move, and communicate is how you you know you win the gunfight, how you you know move your organization in a in a in a chaotic environment. But if you're shooting as a leader, then you're not leading. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. You should be you should be communicating and moving your team where you need observing and then moving the team around. And so uh, that's part of that eighty percent. And so when I was a, a you know a senior guy and I was training new guys, I would get in there and I would be the new guy next to that new <laughs> junior officer or whatever. And they want to get out there and they want to engage in and they want to do their thing. And if they did that and they didn't stop shooting and look around to see like where to move their element, I would take their bullets away from them. And I would, <laughs> I wouldn't let them put one round in the chamber. They would have to carry all their rounds, but they'd got nothing in the, in the chamber. Yeah. And so uh, the only time that a leader should be shooting is if there's a lull and like no one mm. else is shooting. So he needs to provide some sort of cover fire. Cover, yeah. but his job is not to shoot. His job is to lead. Look, look around. What's the team doing? What's the, the environment that mm. we're trying to, to maneuver in? And then what call do we need to make? And then once we, we move to that new position, what's the next call and the next call and the next call? So his job yeah. is to lead, not to shoot. No, I love that. Um, and I know we, we, we didn't discuss where this, I always, I never really truly discuss like where my conversations are going to go with guests. I always just like to organically allow them to develop and see where they start to get, where it kind of goes. And we're talking a lot about leadership. 
right now. And wait, I, before I, we go there, can you yeah. hold that thought so I can finish that other thought? Yeah, Cause I got, please. I got carried away. I get carried away sometimes. No. Um, so, so I, so the, the leader, like I gave you what he's supposed to be doing, but sometimes those junior officers, those new guys, they have 80% of the information, but they don't have quite all of it. And so mm. my job as the new guy there next to that junior officer, as a senior guy, is if I see him stall and not making the call that he should make or not making a call, I might pimp him. Hey, what do you think about that that hillside over there? Hey, what do you think about that ravine over there that maybe we can jump in and like, you know, I'm just giving him just enough information for him to process the battlefield yeah. and then go make the decision. It's his decision. If he makes the bad decision after That's bad good. decision after yep. bad decision, we're going to have a different conversation later. But we I put him in that leadership position. His job is to read the battlefield, read the train, read his people, and then make the call. And if he needs a little more help, I'll give him a little more help. Maybe I'll give him a little more information and let and let him because he's trained enough. And then yeah. he's only going to get better as he makes those decisions, as he's put into those situations. And so very uncomfortable, you know, got my my senior enlisted you know, guy next to me who's got a bunch of experience kind of like telling me these things to do. I'm not telling him what to do. I'm telling him like, hey, what about that? What do you think about that? And then I'll go back and continue to shoot. And then he makes whatever call he makes. And then once we finish that, we do an after action review and we 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 go over what what went right, what went wrong, you know, what could you have done better? What could, you know, what could have gone really badly? And yeah. you can do that in organizations as well. Yes. You know, I had a, I had someone tell me once upon a time, well, what if I'm the best shooter on the team? Your job is not to shoot. As the leader, your job is to never leader. shoot. Your job yeah. is to train other people how to shoot. No one's ever going to do it as good as you. No one's going to do it the same as you. Yeah. Potentially, they will do it better in a different way or as good as you in a different way. But you right. have to give them that. You have to train them and give them that leeway, that ability to go out and fail and learn and recover and then do it again. Yeah, that's, um, dude, I'm, I'm so glad you jumped in there because that's exactly I was going to tee that up. <laughs> you didn't even know that. But just talking about how we as leaders communicate and give responsibility to those that we're working with, regardless of whether we have big teams or small teams um, for, for, you know, like I, I, I don't have a large organization, you know, I'm a single guy uh, working, but yet I coordinate with other, what I call teammates, right? Yeah. I may be point man uh, in what I'm doing, but I don't do the editing on these podcasts. I have a guy who does the editing. I don't do, you know, didn't used to do some of the posts. So I'd, I'd have someone do those. So I still have to give them that creativity, or the, the ability to be creative in their own space. Kind of like what you're saying, he's been trained up. He, he knows, but maybe he just needs uh, just a little push, but allow them to do it in their own way. And then if they make the mistake, then we can pull them back into the direction of what we as the leader, right. the vision that we have to move forward. So you give them what I call commander's intent. Mm. Here's the mission. These are your left and right boundaries. You can do whatever you want to accomplish the mission inside these left and right boundaries, yes. inside that commander's intent. Execute. Yeah. That's yeah, and that's just like culture. You know, we don't need to go down that path really. But like um, Dr. Sam Chan says, you learn culture when you bump up against it. So just in what you're saying, here's commands of ten. You know, like you learn what the edge is by bumping up against it. Like you're gonna you're gonna oversee that, and you're gonna go, hey. Uh, did you think about that? You're going to get his attention back over here. You're going to, or, or correct him. Maybe there's a correction that needs to be had, right? So like you learn culture by making mistakes. You learn how you do things by getting outside the lines a bit. And so, 
Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, now let's uh, let's transition into like because taking all of this leadership stuff that you've had in the teams, uh, and I know coming out, you know, when we first chatted, you were you were pretty fresh, uh, yep. you know, off your retirement. And here you are, a couple of years with that behind you. Actually, what I think four years now uh, behind you. Is that right? Yeah. Um, almost almost uh, four years. Yeah. Almost four years. So how how has the how has that transition? Because I know just knowing you over the last two years to see your growth and how you do things is from, from my perspective, you might not feel this way has been, (laughs) has been pretty, pretty phenomenal, pretty astronomical as far as like the growth and the trajectory of where you've gone and what you're, what you're doing now versus what you were doing two years ago. And to me, there's some key things that you do that I would love for us to chat about and then kind of get to where you are today and what you're doing, what your main uh, focus is. But uh, the question, I guess, is uh, actually you and I are on a, uh, a phone call and you said something that just blew me away. I'm like, are you are you freaking kidding me? Like you're a freaking Navy SEAL. You were you were you faced all kinds of crazy stuff. And but it was this how uh, like the video you, you do a great job at it now. But the video at, at the beginning was very scary. You know, uh, social media was scary. Yeah, and I'm like scary. Like what? It's, and it's to, still terrifying. All it's of it. still terrifying. Yeah, but it, but the point is, is that um, I, I'm sure not knowing what's on the other side of a door is terrifying. As right before you go to kick it in, right? I mean, I'm sure right. there's still. But so, how did you take, or what is it like taking the experience you've faced over here in this, you know, 20 plus years experience? Um, and now into this entrepreneurial space, because a lot of the, a lot of the listeners are entrepreneurs or, you know, they have a side hustle or side business, some things that they're working on and there's some freaking things that scare them. And so here we are the inspired way about facing things, doing hard things. And what was it that you took the maybe was mindset or whatever to transition it so that you can utilize those inside the entrepreneurial world? So I like to say that my transition from the military to civilian life is the hardest military mission I've ever been on. Mm-hmm. And I'm still on that mission because in the military, even in SEAL training, in the SEAL teams, whatever it is, on missions in the SEAL teams, you have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a mm. team, and you have a way to get there. You know yeah. what is expected of you, how you're going to do it. If you like something happens, you've got a team behind you supporting you. Uh, when I retired, and I'm using air quotes there because I don't believe I'll ever be retired, right? <laughs> uh, but retired from the from the military, you know, I lost all of that. And I like the analogy I've started to use is in the one of those Avenger movies where Thanos, you know, mm. makes half the world's population go away. You know, you're having dinner with your family uh, and and whatever, and then all of a sudden, there's people aren't around anymore. Like they're gone. Yeah. Like you're like having conversation, and like they're gone forever. And it was kind of like that for me. Like I was completely Mm. lost. I had no mission. I lost my mission. I lost my team. I lost my purpose. I lost like, why do I get up in the morning? Like I knew what I, what it was in the, in in the military. I don't know what it is in, in civilian life. So I had to figure that out. I had to figure out what that is. Um, eventually, um, I, and I was struggling with other things, you know, like, uh, really just drinking myself to sleep at night, or if you want to phrase it differently, drink until I passed out just to turn the noise off in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a lot of baggage. I eventually, someone gave me a bottle of CBD. Uh, I think that I know that that positively impacted my life by turning down the noise so I could have more positive self-talk. 
And then from there, you know, I came up with the, with the, the, you know, I I started Naked Warrior Recovery, which is a CBD and a supplements company, you know, with our, and our mission is, is 22 to zero. We, we, um, you know, there are 22 veterans take their lives every single day. We've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in two, 20 years of war and two theaters of combat. So that is absolutely unsat. And then, you know, with the whole COVID thing, I think those numbers actually crept up above 22. Um, but, um, you know, so that's our mission is to, you know, reduce and eliminate veteran suicide. Uh, but you know, from that, while going down this road, uh, I had to figure out like, what else, what else am I doing? What else do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And so always looking, always looking for like, what's my, what's my new mission? What's my new mindset? What's the new mountain that I need to climb? Uh, I came up with the get naked mindset and what that's really like taking your armor off and you know, taking your ego off and exposing yourself and being, becoming vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you know, vulnerable enough to ask for help, vulnerable enough to find healing, uh, that you actually need. And so once I learned and figured out how to, like, I need to take my ego off. I need to take this baggage that I'm carrying around that maybe I put a bunch of the crap in the bag that I'm carrying around or other people are putting you know, crap in this bag that's just weighing me down. Once I learned to like, I don't have to carry this around with me all the time. I take it off and I set it to the side. I was able to be more open to, to healing, to growing, to figuring out what I actually need to do in the world. And so from there, I, I, you know, developed the get, the get naked mindset. So part of that is about, you know, taking your ego off. And the other part is, you know, naked is an acronym and the N stands for never quit. And I don't mean never quit, you know, smoking or drinking or, or you know, porn <laughs> or whatever toxic yeah. crap that you're doing, uh, hurting yourself. I mean, never quit on yourself. Never quit trying mm-hmm. to improve where you are or the person that you are. The A is accept failure. I've already talked about failure a little bit. Failure has been the biggest teacher of my life. Mm. And uh, I wouldn't trade all the failures I have for $10, $10 million. You offered me $100 million in exchange for my failures. <laughs> we could maybe have a conversation. I still probably <laughs> wouldn't do it because um, I'm hard-headed. It's, you know, I'm, I, you know I, it takes me a long time to learn things. So failure yeah. is, is the number one teacher. Uh, and so that's just the way it is. The K is to kill mediocrity because really, quite honestly, we're at war. We're at war with mediocrity. Yes. Technology is awesome, but Technology also makes us mediocre. Technology mm. makes our life easier. And when we just wow. accept that our life needs to be easier rather than we need to do hard things to make sure that we stay sharp because iron sharpens iron, yes. that whole thing, cotton doesn't sharpen iron. No. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Jello yeah. doesn't sharpen iron. Iron sharpens no. iron. Yeah. Wood does not sharpen iron. You need something that's hard to sharpen yourself. So you should always go out and, and, and try to find hard things to do, things to challenge yourself, whether it's just like waking up in the morning or, uh, uh, when you're supposed to, or getting up five minutes earlier than what you set your alarm clock for, getting up and doing something that's going to challenge you every single day, competing against, you know, uh, competing in kindness and gratitude and generosity, mm. uh, and and compete against your ego. Yeah. Uh, so because your ego is that thing that says just take it easy, take the take today off, no big deal. Sleep you in five it. more minutes, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, eat the ice cream, whatever, no big deal. You earned it. You haven't done anything. You did one thing hard in like the last six months. You totally earned that cheesecake uh, yeah. for the next six weeks. Um, so that like killing that entitlement that we mm. have. The E is expose yeah. your fear. And, and when I say, uh, I don't mean lions and tigers and bears, 
bears fear or snakes and spiders. I mean, the, the fear that lives in that dark part of your brain, yeah. that, that that place where you don't want to tell anyone about, you don't want to share with anyone about. And, uh, you know, I look at fear to be like a vampire because a vampire lives in the darkness. Yep, yep. It sucks the life out of you. And fear does the same thing. Oh, it lives good. in that deep, dark part of your brain and it sucks the life out of you. You know, when you're alone in your car and you start having these thoughts and these stresses and anxieties and they just start swirling around and you're having a conversation or an argument with someone who's not even there and it doesn't even matter, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's just like sucking the life out of you and making you more and more miserable. Mm. Uh, you know, those, those thoughts that keep you from going to bed at night that wake you up while you're sleeping at night. Those are the thoughts that I'm thinking about. And the yeah, way that you yeah. kill those is you expose it. Just like you kill a vampire with sunlight, you expose it to sunlight, you kill the yeah. fear the same way. You do things that scare you. Uh, you know, if you, you know, have a, uh, you, you had a rough childhood, you were picked on, bullied as a kid, you, maybe you take a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class. You're going to learn a skill to defend yourself and your, your self-confidence is going to go up. And the people that are around you, they're going to, they're going to want you to get better because yeah. they want you to acquire these skills because you're going to make it harder for them to beat you. And therefore mm. they're going to get better. Again, that start, iron sharpens iron doing those hard things. Um, but you know, and talk therapy is awesome. I, it's not for me, but some people love it and it works great for them. So if you're not into that, maybe a, a friend of mine and, and, a, and a business coach of mine, I have several business coaches, by the way, but one of them, yeah. he says that fear does not exist on paper. And so when he has all these stresses mm. and he's in the billionaire category, by the way, when he has all these stresses and anxieties, it starts swirling around in his head when he's driving somewhere, he'll pull over, he'll stop at a Starbucks, he'll order a coffee and he'll take a pen or pencil and a piece of paper, not his phone, not his iPad, nothing like that pencil or pen and a piece of paper. And he'll write down every thought that is bugging him. Every, everything that is swirling around the stress, the anxiety, he'll write it down on a piece of paper and kind of do that brain dump. Yeah. And he'll read it. And then he'll be like, really, that's really what's <laughs> bothering me. That yeah. fear does not exist on the paper. Like once you write it down, there's something that like it loses its power. So once you expose mm. the fear, the fear no longer controls you. Uh, and the D is to do the work because quite honestly, again, in today's society of social media and instant gratification, we forgot what it's like to do the work. Mm -hmm. Do the work isn't like doing it one and done. Doing the work is it takes time and effort and tenacity. You have to do it over and over and over. And maybe there's an end in sight and maybe there's not. But you just have to keep doing it until it's done. Because, you know, there was this uh, the saying that Rome wasn't built in a day, but I guarantee you that it was built every single day until it became an empire. Mm. And so that's really what doing the work means. So so the N is for never quit. The A is accept failure. The K is to kill mediocrity. The E is expose your fears. And D is do the work. And this is all fresh in my mind because I just got home last night from uh, three. I did uh, three speaking engagements in two days, um, giving really a wow. much longer version of, that, of yeah. that, that presentation. I call it the five steel secrets. And if you guys want a, like a more complete uh, understanding of that, you can go to the, the website, the number five sealsecrets.com, the number five, S-E-A-L secrets.com and put your name and email in there and I'll send you a, a copy of, uh, of five, five Seal Secrets and uh, and it'll be awesome. Yeah, it, it will be awesome. Life. I have it and I read through it often and I definitely uh, will have it in the show notes uh, for those listeners that want to get that, um, that will get it uh, because you'll definitely want it. You know, some of the things that you said there, I, I was actually going to ask a question and then you, you, you gave a you great jump example. In there fast Cause I'm like, let's go. Yeah. You, you, you answered <laughs> I it before away. I could even, which is awesome. Um, and I was going to say uh, one of the th questions that I was going to ask is how do you expose fears 
or how can we expose our fears? And I love the, uh, I, I wrote it down. Fear does not exist on paper. And, you know, I thought about that. I'm like, wow, man, stopping on the side of the road when you feel that way, that's doing the work. That's, that's not being mediocre. Like right. you're, you're doing so many of the five still secrets just by, by pressing pause, doing the work, putting pen to paper to expose your fear, you're actually hitting on multiple different things. You're not quitting because you're saying this is important enough for me to do this. You're accepting that, hey, there could be some failure here. I'm holding myself back by not exposing these fears. So I'm going to expose them and I don't want to be mediocre. So I'm going to do the work. I'm going to put the pen to the paper. And I love the acronym. I love how it's all come together for you. I know it took some time for you to pull all that (laughs) together, but it's awesome uh, because they, they each, um, they each play on each other and you can't have one without, it's not not just one, one and done. It's like, yeah, you can't, they all, they're all intertwined. And, you know, for some people, one or two of these will stand out more than others. And so for me, you know, the thing I had to do the most was expose my fears. And now I'm working more on killing mediocrity. Mm. And so I, they kind of move back and forth. And some yeah. days it's just like, do the work. I'm like, I've been doing work. Why am I not getting results? <laughs> and you know what? So just, just uh, for, for example, working yeah. out. Um, probably a year and a half ago, I was in Florida at a, at an, at a fundraising event. I was sponsoring a, a charity with, with, with Naked Warrior Recovery. And the, the charity event was Na- the Naked Warrior Project. Oh, yeah. And so we, we connected and, and I went down there and gave a bunch of products away. And then, you know, I, I, I took a picture with a couple other dudes and they were pretty yoked. And I did not like the way that I looked in that picture at all. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm embarrassed. And like, it's, the on, mirror it's, doesn't on lie. The, it's on the internet. I'm like, I thought I looked all right. And I'm like right at 200 pounds. And I so I, I look, I thought I did. And now, um, I look very different than mm. I did, but I came home. I like, I just, you know, I bought a bunch of weights and stuff, but I wasn't dedicated to it. And so, and I don't really look in the mirror now, but mm-hmm. I did do a selfie like a little while ago. And I was like, Oh, that's a very different person from that picture. Like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah. And, but it wasn't something that happened overnight. It's been like a year and a half of me just like going, like I have a, like a gym in my gym in my driveway. I've got weights in my driveway. Yeah. I just downloaded a program and I worked out, you know, lifted three days, three days a week. And I would do cardio two or three days a week. And, uh, and I watched and I kept track of my, you know, how much I could lift and the number of reps. It's kind of like you're, I know in the, into the ultra running world, kind of the same thing. And so I watched the numbers over like nine, like this nine week program that I made for myself, like increase. And so now I'm on a, like on a different program, but I was just in, in, um, in San Jose, I was at a at a fit body boot camp uh, giving a talk, and because they they brought me in to to talk to their to their uh, employees or to their yeah to their employees and also to some of their clients, and they had this like body mass thing in the corner. I'm like, what is that thing? How does that thing work? And they like charge it up, and they were like, okay, you get on it and you hold the thing and you hold them out like this, and then they like printed out the 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 paper, and they were like dude, we've never seen numbers like this before. Like with my like total, like mass. And I don't even know what like yeah. body fat, TMI, total and, mass index. Like, yeah. I, and I, I have no idea. And they're like, dude, yeah, our I coaches agree. are going to be very upset when they see these numbers because um, they've never seen like scores this high. I'm like, did I, did I do a good job? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I saw like my, like, but, but, I, but it's like, it's, it's just time and effort and consistency. It doesn't, mm-hmm. nothing ever, ever happens overnight. TikTok happens overnight, but whoever's making mm-hmm. those TikTok videos, 
they're putting time and effort and oh, consistency, consistency into them. So it's just, you know, you have to be willing to put in the work and do the work and just be okay with nothing happening yeah. for a really long time. But as long as you keep going, you know, like where I am right now, you know, I'm doing corporate coaching and, and public speaking. That is something I never, ever wanted to do. And when I get on stage, I'm very upfront with them. I'm like, listen, I could probably... Uh, I'll probably like stutter. I might forget what I'm going to say, some things like that, because I am much more comfortable in a gunfight than I am standing in front of people talking. Yeah. I'm doing things that challenge me, challenge me yeah. physically, mentally, and emotionally. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I do the, the long version of man in the arena when I, when I give my presentation, mm-hmm. when I gave it, uh, the second day in San Jose, I got almost to the end and the words flew out. Oh, of my brain. No. And I was like, hold on. I know the words. <laughs> I've completely forgot. Hold on. And I was like, but it's okay. Cause I'm accepting yeah. failure right now. And I'm exactly. learning from it. And then we're going to, and so, because it's part of my message, um, it was so totally good. fine, but it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like a very powerful, the way I, the way I give it. And I've gotten over my, 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 uh, uh, what do you call it? Myself, uh, looking at myself and be like, Oh, I, I don't, maybe I shouldn't be so like yeah. loud about it. I'm pretty loud when I say it. And I'm pretty, yeah, you, you, you settle into the role pretty well, <laughs> and, but I wasn't always that way. And I'm like, yeah. my daughter even knows it. And we practice it on the way to school every day, la, 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 whatever. That's awesome. And so eventually I like, I like got it and I like finished it out and then finished the, finished the, the, my, my time on stage, which by the way, I was sharing with, um, uh, the Zig Ziglar's son, Tom Ziglar. Tom Ziglar. Yeah. So I was, I was, oh, sharing, so this was that, was that one. That was, yeah. That was that event. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so, um, so that was, I'm like, oh, Okay. I failed. I mean, I didn't yeah. really fail just right. in that moment. And it just gave me the opportunity. And maybe that, you know, you never know what people are going to take from what you're sure what you're presenting, no yeah. matter where you are in life. So just go with it. Just deliver. It's okay yeah. to be embarrassed you, and then get over it really quickly and then do it again. I think, you know, just to, to your point there of accepting failure, if we can accept that, like, you know what, Hey, I failed. It's okay. I'm moving on. Right. So right. <laughs> to me, mediocre would be the other person who can accept failure they sit there and they chew on it. They beat themselves up. They, that holds them back. And now they're just mediocre. They're not right. pushing beyond it. They're not, you know, expanding themselves any further. Uh, but by accepting it, it allows us to push even further, allows us to, to grow, uh, really. So I am I'm, I'm with you though. I'll, you know, I'm not, sh- I'm not a hundred percent enjoying, uh, the shape that I'm in right now. So this morning I actually went and uh, bought uh, uh, some fitness equipment. So I got my setting up my gym here later tonight, get that all set up so I can start uh, banging yeah, but out. You're, you're, you're pretty strong. So you, you have a solid foundation to, to move from. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know this from experience. You got the experience. <laughs> real part. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, Tim is no slouch. He's, he's yeah. a strong man. Well, you know, it's um, it, it, it's a foundation that's been lost, I, I would say, because I did use I used to bodybuild, used to do some th- wrestle, things like that, but gotten way away from it. It's been gosh, it's been almost 10 years uh, since I've done any of that. So it's time, though, I feel kind of uh, I feel that what's that called? Uh, uh, skinny fat. <laughs> Where you're, you're not really fat, but you look uh, you don't look yeah. that great either. So. But, uh, Hey, so before we get out of here, um, uh, gosh, I had a question. There we go. See, just, a, uh, uh, welcome to oh, my world. Here it is. Yes. Um, building a team. You had mentioned that earlier, you know, both of us are in the coaching space. And so we believe in, in helping others or surrounding others with us, uh, you know, to help us grow and just speak to that, uh, for a moment for those that are struggling 
to step into like building that, that team unit for themselves. Like for me, I, I, I can't edit. I mean, I could, I could do this, but then it takes away from some of the other things that I could be doing that I'm more efficient in. And so I have a team member that he does all my editing you know, and, you know, others, you know, that I use to, to help uh, put out a a product. And I, I know you do that as well, but just speak to the importance of, of developing a team. And I, when I say team, I'm thinking of it this way too. Like my chiropractor, I consider him a a team member because my body needs to stay in alignment and shape, you know, my doctor or physician, whatever. I need to make sure I have people that understand my mission, my goals, what I'm after, so that I'm optimized, yep. you know, hormonally all the way down, you know, so I have a group of people that I pull in to make sure. Uh, so, yeah, if you wouldn't mind speaking to the importance of team, because you've been a part of a team for many, many years, and then you mentioned it, you got away, you know, or not got away, but you, you, you retired. And now it's like team's gone, everything's gone. Now it's like rebuild. So the importance of how you see that in this space that you're in now. Yeah, hundred percent. So I like to say that I'm, I'm, I'm building my new SEAL team. Mm-hmm. And so in a, in a SEAL platoon, every, everyone doesn't do the same job. So you have snipers, you have breachers, you have jump masters, you have uh, radio men, you have corpsmen. Everyone has a job. Everyone has a collateral. We're all SEALs. You know, I can be a sniper and a breacher and a corpsman and a JTAC, which calls in and a, and a com. I can do have all these skill sets. Yeah. But at certain times, my job is to be the corpsman or my job is to be the sniper or my job is to be the breacher. When you're some platoons don't have that luxury of having multiple people with different jobs. So a breacher is really good at blowing doors. They know like exactly how much demo they need for different things. Or maybe we're going to blow a hole in this like two foot thick mud wall. And this is how we're going to get into the compound, not go through the gate because we know that it's booby trapped and we're going to come through the side and we're going to do something like that. Um, and so when we're going to a target, the breacher, he's back here with the demo. And then his job is to be like, okay, go put the charge on. And then I might put a sniper up on the wall and, you know, everyone has their role in their position. We're all seals. We still do the same. We have the same basic foundation, but we have these specialties within the team. And so, um, someone gave me this analogy, you know, when they're, you know, you go into an organization, like who would be in your boat crew? Let's just say that mm. there's a bunch of people who would you take with you in order to start from like, you have nothing like this whole thing goes away. Who do you want with you when to start this all over again? Yeah. And so who do you want in your boat crew and boat crew is seven guys. You have the leader, like the boat crew leader, and then the six people who are rowing. So who do you want on your team? And so you need certain people on your team to get the job done. Me, as I, you know, I'm a sniper and a breacher and a comms guy and a JTAC. I can do all of those things. But that's not my job. My job is the leader. My job is command and control. My job is to tell people which way to go and monitor the battlefield. My job is not to be a sniper. My job is not to blow the doors. My job is to stand back, let the team do what they're good at, and they go do it. Comms guy, call in some air, you know, closer, like we're getting shot at. We're going to do our thing back here to cover comes, go crawl in some, you know, call in some bombs to take care of those guys over there that are like, they're trying to attack us. So, or let the higher headquarters know that we're doing these other, if I'm on the radio talking back to higher headquarters, I can't be monitoring the battlefield. So you have to have the right people around you who are going to support your mission, whatever, whatever that is. And so that's the, that's the beauty. I can do all of it, but I can only do one thing at a time. What am I the Mm. best at? Okay. I'm, I'm, I am in the leadership position. I should not be on a sniper rifle, you know, engaging, waiting for someone to lay an IED somewhere or anything like that. My job is to lead and monitor the battlefield and, and, and do the command and control. 
And so um, that's what we all need to do in our life. You need to build a team, find who's going to be a good fit for your team. They might be a good fit for now, but maybe someone else is going to be a better fit later. Yeah. And that's okay in, in, in your personal life, in your professional life, whatever that is. So make sure that you build your team the way that you need it to be built. Make sure you have your snipers and your breachers and your comms guys and your JTACs and your what and your just prisoner handlers and your driver. You know, you need those people who are good. The guy that can edit the video, who can post the video, who can do the podcast, who can like, you know, look at your notes and then fill in the blanks and, and do the things that that need to be done to, to run your organization or to, you know, just you know, be a good person uh, yeah. on your team that you can rely on. Yeah, that's good. I don't I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the book Good to Great with Jim by Jim Collins. Dude, you got to you got to read that book. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, listeners, uh, Good to Great. And it's taking a good organization to a great organization. And the analogy that he uses, he uses a bus. We'll use it, uh, the boat. <laughs> uh, but basically, it's it's you have uh, seven, seven men on the boat and that boat is going from point A to point Z. And so you want to make sure you have the right people inside the boat, you know, or the bus. And he says, if you got to evaluate, if they're not the right person, pull it over, get them off the bus, get the right person on the bus and then evaluate the people on the bus. Are they in the right seat? Maybe the guy that's in the back needs to be up in the front. Maybe the guy who's on the right side needs to be on the left side. So just identifying what position or what seat do they really hold in your organization as you on your, you know, in route to your mission. So I think that's a critical key that I've always kind of taken back. Do I believe that this is the right person uh, to help me uh, accomplish what I'm accomplishing? Yes. Okay. Are they in the right position? Not, not necessarily. There's some skills over here that they have. Okay. Now I need to back to that 80%, right? That can they do that? And they, yeah, totally. Or can I train them up to do that? Absolutely. Let's train them up, give them the opportunity. So that way it makes us all efficient. Right. So yeah. love that. Cool, man. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's close out real quick. Just letting the listeners know kind of like how uh, we already talked about five seal secrets.com. I'll have that link down there. Other places that they can get in touch with you. Um, definitely they can order the products, uh, which we didn't talk much about, but I would say I'll refer them back to the, the next, excuse me, the one that we did prior to, cause we went really in depth on, uh, the products uh, at, on that one. So they can go back to that episode. I'll have it linked up as well. But where are some other places that you're hanging out these days? So CBD, uh, nw-recovery.com or nakedwarriorrecovery.com, uh, just to put that out there. I'm mostly active on Instagram at nakedwarriorrecovery or at william.r.branham. I'm also, I've got a Facebook account. I've got LinkedIn. I've got a TikTok. I don't know the uh, the, the, the names of any of those. Mostly yeah. it's, it's William Branham something. Yeah, search for uh, William. William Branham. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And so that that's generally where I am. But for the most part, I, I, I post everything on Instagram and then I post across all, all of the platforms. Awesome. Well, man, hey, I appreciate you coming back on. Sorry, it was two years uh, before. Oh, good. Uh, but uh, it was a good, I think there was a lot of learning, a lot of growing in between that time. So it was awesome to have you back on. And uh, listeners, uh, continue facing the storms and get naked while doing so. All right. 100%. All right. 
Hey, my friends, I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you did, do me a huge favor and head on over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. That will definitely help us get this message out to more people. Also, if you haven't done so already, let's connect. You can connect with me on my website, timdouglasinspires.com, and or on the social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Let me know that you listened to the podcast and that's how you found me. Lastly, stay tuned for more to come. And I definitely want to thank you again for subscribing, for sharing, this with your friends, leaving a review, all that good fun stuff. So until next time, go out there, face your storms, make your difference in the world, and we'll see you next time on the Inspired Way podcast. Thank you.